Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time to go inside the film room. With veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg, it's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room. Joined by veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg and we wanted to be the first here on Twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball to say welcome to the 2020 college football season, the Big Ten. Chris, welcome Big Ten football. Absolutely. Welcome Big Ten football. Glad to have you here. And we're really excited. And uh, it has just uh, been, I'm just so happy to have football. But, you know, it is really weird. You know, when I, I don't know how you feel, but when it's Saturday and Sunday, watch the games. And I don't notice a great deal of difference because they, we talked about it all summer. I, I don't notice that there's not a lot of fans. I mean, I know there's not, but I don't think about it. But it is really weird when I get to, do to break down the tape and it's like it's okay there's no there's no pac 12 there's no big 10 there's it's just like there's a part missing there's there's no mountain way it's like yeah okay and it's like well what time it is and and, and it's like okay it's it, we're, we're rounding into almost november and it's just you know just getting started it's going to be interesting to see i am a little bit concerned what's going on in some places mainly at florida with positive tests and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about can we get through the season? But mm-hmm. and 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 the the Big Ten does they have no margin for error. So if they have any setbacks, yeah. you know, Jeff Brom is not going to be coaching this week or Purdue. Um, you know they they've just got no wiggle room like you know the SEC is trying to reschedule. But yes, welcome, and we're really excited. Welcome to all our fans out there. And, Poor reminder, Scott, for those that are not watching us on Twitch, if you're watching it live, consuming it, absolutely great. We love having you. But if you can, catch us live on uh, Twitch TV. Get Chris, um, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, and uh, you can uh, listen on the mobile device and um, check it out. And, uh, you know, cheer us on. Uh, you can cheer us on some bits. Uh, click the heart button. Like us. And, uh, you know, we certainly want uh, you to be involved. Send in your questions, your comments. Uh, we want you involved in the show. So Absolutely. Uh, it's always good to be talking football with our fans here. Going to get to all the questions that we have throughout the show. We start with our college football recap. Uh, the biggest game of the weekend, Chris, was Alabama at Georgia. Close in the first half and then all tied in the second half. Uh, the whole Nick Saban thing, you and I talked about it when the news came out. And I thought maybe it was a bit of an overreaction. I think you agreed that because it was Nick Saban, the whole college football world stops when any 
anything has to do with Nick Saban. Uh, that team looked prepared. They looked sound. And in the second half, maybe it was Saban's halftime adjustments or maybe it was just a war of attrition that Alabama just won out. But they looked like the much better team in the second half of that game against Georgia. Well, they really did. Um, this Alabama offense has no weakness right now. There's no weakness that shows up on film, Scott. I mean, their offensive line is outstanding. They can run outside zone. They can run power. Um, they can – they've got – three great receivers, a functional tight end. They can work this short passing game. They can go deep. Um, they can attack different, attack different types of coverages. Mac Jones is doing a great job in the face of blitz pressure. Mm -hmm. He's very comfortable in setting his protections and what they're doing with them. You know, it's, it's just a, an offense at this, at this point, Scott, dare I say it's almost LSU like from last year. It is. Wow. It's that good. Let's see where it goes. It's still early. They are just hitting on all cylinders. And you look at what they're able to do. I mean, basically shredded a Georgia defense. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I should add, they are well-schemed too. I mean, they just don't rely on talent. They do a good job of, and I thought they did a really good job against Georgia's defense, creating some opportunities, creating some big plays. You get a lead and you make Georgia play from behind. That was where the separation was. Georgia is a one-dimensional team on offense. They're not able to really functionally work in the passing game, in the two-minute game, and they don't really attack coverages very well. And what I saw on tape is there were plays to be made. Stetson Bennett missed some reads. I thought being height deficient hurt him a little bit when looking at the tape and you're seeing some of the end, end zone view of it. You could see he, he didn't see guys come open as quickly as you need to see them. That affected it. And, and certainly he was late with the ball at times. Um, and they were, I mean, Scott, there were guys open. There, there was an opportunity even late in the first half to kind of maybe put a little more pressure on Alabama. Couldn't do it you know, pass that's a little wide here, a route that's not run quick enough, the post corner not quick enough, just a little bit off. They're not yeah. real sharp in the passing game. And so, look, Georgia can beat just about everybody doing what they do. Beating Alabama and beating a like a national playoff caliber team like a Clemson and I think maybe even Ohio State eventually we'll see. I, I don't think they match up, and they're going to have to – figure out their quarterback situation, improve the passing game. And if it's getting JT Daniels ready, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but there is a, a ceiling for Georgia. And right now there's not a fourth team. There, there's, there's really mm -hmm. not. In fact, I mean, I don't think it's fair to put Ohio state in other than just projection. I, I yeah, put yeah, them yeah. in there, but there's two and, you know, and, and I think Ohio state will play their way into a third, but we're devoid of a fourth team. And, We'll see how it plays out. I think that we're going to see Georgia match up again with Alabama. But unless they're able to do more in the passing game, I mean, this is not just – they've got a great defense. But if you if you don't augment your defensive performance with consistency in the running game and balance with the passing game so that you can get some points, you've got to score some points, Scott. I mean, you're not going to hold this Alabama offense to 17 points. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not going to win 2017 against this team. 
So you've got to find a way to score some points, and, and Georgia's got to figure that out. And, and they don't look like they're ready for prime time in that regard. No, not at all. Uh, also not ready for prime time, apparently, is North Carolina. As much as I talked about them and everybody talked about them over the past several weeks, they climb up to number five in the rankings and they go into Tallahassee and face an undermanned Florida State team and get absolutely embarrassed. I mean, that first half, Chris, and say what you will about Sam Howell and the way that that offense responded in the second half. That first half was embarrassing. When you go down 31 to seven to Florida State, and you're supposed to be the number five team in the nation, the second best team, arguably, in that ACC conference, maybe threatening to, to, to have Clemson look over their shoulder a little bit. Not anymore. No one's afraid of you anymore. That was an embarrassing performance by North Carolina. Yeah, and there's a – look, there's a great separation between those top teams, and it's like somebody's got to be fifth, right? Well, it's nobody that really deserves it. You know, if you if you, you can were even make it, that argument about Notre Dame at, at four. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, sure. I mean, listen, yeah. it's one and two. Mm-hmm. Ohio State hadn't played yet. Yep. And then, you know, there's Top no off. three. There's no four. There's no five. There's, you know, started about 12. I mean, I just leave the leave, you know, three through, you know, 10 blank. I mean, I'm not trying to be cute, but there, there's a significant drop off. Look, Carolina um, looked like a team. And again, this is what happens when you're not real balanced as a team. They got punched in the mouth by a Florida State team that, you know, trying to prove themselves, okay? I mean, they've kind of gotten embarrassed, and people have called them out. They played hard. They were physical. They took it to Carolina, and this game was going on at the same time that Georgia-Alabama game was going on. So I was watching on Monitor 4, and I mean, I I still see it, Scott. It's like – they're getting punched in the mouth. I'm tweeting out. They're getting punched in the mouth. They're getting punched in the mouth. And, and they're not responding. And, of course, they did in the second half. But when you don't have a defense that can stand up and, you know, bow your back and, and take control, see, this is what's happening, and I'm noticing it more and more, is you don't have complete teams. Well, when you don't have a complete team then and you're so reliant on one facet of your team, if that one facet has an off day, you just become average, and that's what you're talking about. Well, they're mm-hmm. embarrassed. They weren't very good. Well, when North Carolina is good, the good Carolina is when their offense is hitting on all cylinders. They've got weapons, and Sam Howell played great. They did it in the second half and almost came back, whether it was lack of emotion, lack of sharpness. They weren't hitting it, and they got nothing else to hang their hat on. There's nothing else they can turn to and say, go out, make a stand for us, and they just don't have that. And most teams don't. So, no, I mean, it's – I don't think there is a second-best team in the ACC. I mean, somebody's got to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, I mean, heck, I don't know. I mean, you know, Pitt struggling offensively with injuries and need to get more. You got Miami that I thought responded pretty well this past week against sure. Pitt. Um you know, but I don't think there's a Notre Dame mm-hmm. boy. They, they really struggled against Louisville. Did not play very well. Nope. Um, defensively, they're pretty good. They're they're a poor man's version of Georgia. I mean, it's it's um, you, you wonder, you know. So yeah, there's there's Clemson. And there's just a bunch of teams of which we're going to sort it out, and some are going. I mean, it's a really pretty good competition when you look at it. Sure. <laughs> when you look at it, Virginia Tech starting to play pretty well. Um, it's it's pretty good competition for you know 
whoever's not named yeah. Clemson. Yeah, that's what uh, Jig's dad forty four says. Vatek second best team question mark. Well, Jig's uh, throw them in the mix. They throw them in the mix right now with everyone else. Uh, but let's uh, talk about this weekend's games, Chris. And we'll start with obviously the biggest news, and that is Hello Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten will kick things off with a Friday night contest, Illinois at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin should be able to run over Illinois, uh, I think, rather easily. Um, but what a lot of people are are interested in is Ohio State against Nebraska on Saturday. It's the big noon kickoff. It might be rainy in Columbus. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, but the idea that not the, not only does Ohio State have to win, Chris, but because of their shortened season, whereas other teams will have more games to play, does Ohio State need to be impressive? in every game that they play in order to stay in that college football playoff conversation. Like, they just can't go undefeated and win the Big Ten. They have to go undefeated in these eight games and convincingly win the Big Ten. Is that a legitimate reason? Is that a legitimate thought here with Ohio State? I think that is a, a prevailing thought. I mean, a lot of people agree with you. I, I don't. I think and, and what I mean by that, I'm not saying that if they don't look good, I'm not saying it, it doesn't really matter. I, I'm saying if they go eight, no, they're in. and they're in. I, I, and, and that may not be right or wrong. I just, I mean, who's in, I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, 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 you can't, you can't look at it in a bubble. So, I mean, if let's just say a, for instance, let's create a scenario where that could turn out to be true. Um, you know, a Georgia rebounds comes back and beats Alabama, and it's mm-hmm. and then, all right, and those look like two of the four best. And then Clemson's in there, and let's just say that, although I don't think you know that's going to happen, and I don't think this is going to happen. What if, um, you know, um, Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State runs the table, mm-hmm. and just you know, and just is really impressive. And okay, well, I mean. Then I still I say Ohio State eight no is in. I think there's right or wrong or perception. I I I don't think they need to do anything other than just win. I, I think they're going to be impressive in certain weeks and other weeks maybe not. I mm-hmm. they've been really impressive. You know this hasn't been even under Urban. He had a couple of games, the Purdue game, the Iowa game, but you know, Ryan Day is is had his team on all cylinders. I, I, I think the Buckeyes are in, I think they would have to lose. Yeah. And, and I don't see them losing to anybody, you know, and then that you look, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, again, I'm going to say this, it, who do they lose to? How does it look? Would I rule them out with one loss? No, because I don't know anybody else that hmm. again, got to yeah. find me four teams. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, we start talking about Ohio state, not being one, then that means it's Alabama and Clemson. Go find me two. Yeah. Okay. And and tell me and try to convince me that Notre Dame or Oklahoma State or or somebody else. I mean, is better. I don't. I don't think it. A, a one loss A and M because A and M will be favorite. That's I get this a lot. A and M will be favorite in every game they got the rest of the year and they won't have to play Alabama again. Uh, they're still not one of the four best teams. Agreed. You know. So, but you gotta have four. I think it is going to be, I think 
Ohio and, we're not, State. and we're not talking about an American team getting in there. There's no, no Cincinnati no. or SMU. Sorry. You know, no, and, and I even enjoy yeah. a big bowl game, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, I just – I mean, their schedule is not strong enough, mm-hmm. to, in, in my opinion, to put them in. So, no, I, I think it's – um, I think Ohio State just takes care of business, and I, I think that I, – I don't know how sharp these teams are going to be early on. Uh, yeah. But I, I think Ohio State wins their end. This is going to be interesting – uh, I think Ohio State, you mentioned the weather, potentially that could be um, something that create a sloppy feel. And I'm curious to see what Nebraska does early and what Martinez does early, how competitive they are, because I have a feeling this could be a, an early blowout here. I would agree. Um, what about this Michigan Minnesota game? Oh, that's man. a real, that's a really good game. And this is this is the benefit that we have. And I don't want to call it a benefit because anything that happens with this 2020 COVID year season, whatever, um, you know, let's just be thankful that we're getting football. But because of all these restrictions, it's you know the conference only schedule. First game of the season is a. It might be one of the best games of the year in the Big Ten between these two teams, Chris. Yeah, Come and on. and and how about this? It just kind of works out. It's opening week of the Big Ten, and then it's like the SEC's just kind of it's kind of parted like the Red Sea. It's like yeah. there's nothing really there. So welcome Big Ten. You've got center <laughs> stage, and we're gonna take a back seat with you know Auburn, Ole Miss, and and uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and you know we're just. Um, no, this is a really good game. I'm curious to see how they try to cover Rashad Bateman. I'm curious to see if Michigan takes a step forward with their offense. I mean, that is the conversation every year. Um, no, this is this is you know Minnesota will have a pretty good team again this year. I think this is a really good matchup. Uh, I tell you one that is, I mean, I think is sneaky good. And that's Penn State Indiana. This yeah, Indiana I'm team. Say that. This is a tough, tough matchup, and it's early in the year. Look out, Penn State. This is one particularly early uh, you could get yourself into some, you know, some trouble there. So, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a really good matchup for those that are. And I, you know, I know we'll get to it probably, but in the Big Twelve, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. After that, basically the entire conference, other than Kansas, West Virginia, mm-hmm. was was off last week. That's a really good matchup. But no, it's it's good to have the the Big Ten in center stage. And I think we, again, welcome back Ohio state. I think we see a Penn state get a test here and I'm curious to see what Michigan and Minnesota, what they're able to do in the, uh, in this game, the little Brown jug is uh Jigs mentioned. Jigs, I, Jigs, I, I love him. He's a great fan. He's a Syracuse fan, by the way. Um, he's a big, big follower um, and a giants fan. And so uh, he's he's having a rough year. So he, he, <laughs> he's probably right, uh, Peter. You're probably wanting a drink out of that little brown jug. Yeah. Some of the game. Uh, bless you for uh, for uh, your support. But yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Talk to me about this Oklahoma State Iowa State game. Um, I think that Iowa State offensively, and listen, we know the Big Twelve doesn't play a lot of defense. So I think off- I think Iowa State offensively can hang with Oklahoma State. To me, it comes down to can Oklahoma State consistently make plays on, you know, third down and extend drives and score on, you know, big plays, which they have the capability to do offensively. Can Chuba dominate the game or will Brock Purdy be able to keep his team in it the entire way? I think they're going to stay with them the entire way. I think both. I think Iowa State plays pretty good defense, and this is relatively speaking, you know, pretty good defense for Big Twelve. And and I think that this Oklahoma State team 
at least they've shown signs of playing a little bit of defense. So um, I think this is a real interesting matchup, and this kind of derails the 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 Big Twelve if if Iowa State wins it because Oklahoma State's yeah. kind of the only hope, right? Because Iowa State has that early loss that uh, out of Probably conference lost, yeah. just just really is ugly, but they're playing better and they're a good line of scrimmage team. So I'm excited because yes, these teams will score points, but it may not look as much like a um, a Big Twelve game. Oh. Or an SEC game. We can call it now because that's what the SEC looks like now. Right now. Uh, one final game I want to touch on in the top 25. Um, I think that there's going to be an upset here. Uh, Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. Oh, Virginia, wow. Virginia Tech looked interesting last week. Now, I thought BC would keep the game close. BC turned the ball over five times they in did. that game, Chris. They, they, they had three turnovers, Boston College. In their first four games combined, they yes. had three turnovers. They had four in the first half against Virginia Tech last weekend. And then in the second half, they just, you know, they kept the, the turnovers kept coming. So I'm not too sure what to make of this Virginia Tech team. Are they the team that got blown out and then had to come back against UNC? Are they the team that struggled against Duke? Or are they the team that, forced many turnovers and took advantage of them against Boston College. Meanwhile, Wake Forest last week, they looked as impressive as you can be against a Virginia squad that was actually favored going into that game, and they blow them out 40 to 23. I like this Wake Forest team. I think they got a lot of things going for them, especially offensively. And if Vatek ain't careful, Sam Hartman's going to put up some numbers, Chris. And at home, the Demon Deacons may pull an upset here. No, it's definitely possible. There's no, there's not many games in this league with just a few exceptions to where um, you should be overly surprised. I think there, there's a lot of teams that are capable of winning on a given week. I think, um, I think Wake does have a shot here, particularly at home. Uh, I do think Virginia Tech's better. I think their best game wins it, but you're correct. I thought BC kind of gifted him a little bit last week, and that's part of what made BC good early is that they played well, uh, but they really made a lot of mistakes. Speaking of turnover, speaking of the ACC, Duke has 22 turnovers this year. That's unbelievable. They had 29 last year total. 22 already um yeah turnovers are the great equalizer and and yeah they play sloppy um yeah wake could get them at home no, no doubt about it i do like tech though a little bit we got a question here coming in from rich Coates. wants to know what's your thoughts on the pac-12 policies which include dressing 53 players and if i read this right is the pac-12 not televising their games no, oh they're, yeah yeah they're televising yeah they're televising the games in fact they're going to be when they start next week. They're going to be um, in some of the early slots. Like, yes. like they're going to be in like what w- w- what they call on Fox the big noon. Which yeah, they, it'll, be gonna, not, it'll be nine a.m. Yeah. West Coast time. Yeah, they're going to have a couple of nine a.m. West Coast games. Which okay, um, that's just going to be really weird. But it's a, look, it's a weird year, you know. Play it at midnight if you want. You know, I, I you know, uh, no, they're they're absolutely uh, play- now. I'm gonna tell you what's happened, and I don't know what the status is, Scott. And I gotta check it because I do have it. The Pac-12 network has, I know they furloughed and then they just out and out just let a lot of people go. Um, I, I, 
I don't know where they are with some of the games. So basically they've got a contract with Fox and ESPN, but, but some of those games that are not televised by them can be televised by the PAC 12 network. Mm-hmm. My understanding is the PAC 12 will still televise the PAC 12 network will still televise yeah. games, but may, maybe, maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that, but no, their well, games ESPN, will be on TV. Yeah, And ESPN just announced they have, uh, like four Friday games. Yes, so you're gonna have Friday night games. Yes, on ESPN. Um, it's start- November twentieth. UCLA at Oregon. Then you got Oregon at Oregon State the following week. Washington yes. and Washington State, and then uh, Arizona State at Arizona. So ESPN Friday night Pac-12 games. And by the That's way, you'll, you'll see you'll see starting again. Uh, Friday night, you'll see some Big Ten games. So you're actually going to see yeah. some Big Ten and Pac-12 games. Pac-12 has been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Kind of new. It's kind of the second year for Big Ten to be doing it on a Friday night. But no, you absolutely will see the Pac-12 games on um, on television. Yes, sir. Yep. Pac-12 after dark. We love it. And we have a late game this week, too. BYU-Texas State is a 10-15 Eastern time start. So that'll end uh, sometime after midnight on the East Coast. We'll be watching uh, BYU in bed on uh, on Saturday night. And, and, and another another good one, too, we're going to give a little love to. Cincinnati SMU, uh, you know, again, group of five, really good game. Something's got to give there. That's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, by the way, group of five, broke down some tape. That Marshall team is really, really good. I mean, that is a as a candidate for one of the best group of five teams um, in college football this year. Broken them down now three times this year. Interesting. Uh, so Marshall has a game coming up this weekend against uh, Florida Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. Um, you know, Marshall at home against Florida Atlantic. Marshall up to number 22 in the rankings. Uh, let's turn our attention to the NFL, Chris, uh, before we get to our play of the week, we have breaking news today. And that is the dolphins deciding to go away from Ryan Fitzpatrick and to Tua Tunga Vailoa. And uh, our question from Burns, one of our loyal uh, watchers and listeners thoughts on the dolphins going to Tua. Was this the right time? If they keep winning, do they have to stick to Fitzpatrick and then they never go to Tua? So is that why you make the decision now? No, I think the, the, the timing makes all the sense in the world because it's the bye week. So they yes. get a bye week, and so it makes sense. Now, they have to decide, and I can't, there's no way for me or anyone can decide, is it the right time from, is he ready? Okay, so, and, you, and some people say, well, you never know you're ready till you play. Well, you know my theory, and I've always believed in it, that when, you, when you're grooming a quarterback he's got to be able to absorb it in the classroom he's got to be able to take it out in the practice field and when he's at and he's not mastered but he's very comfortable in those two areas then you can take it on to the game field they obviously feel it's time and I can't and and people say well how long does it take it's different for everybody it's kind of like teaching a student in class some people can pick it up like that People like me, when I was trying to learn advanced math, boy, I need a lot of extra work. You know, it just was the way it is. So, um, look, two is their future. And we knew that. Um, Fitz knew that. Everybody knows. Everybody's on board. When does the future start? Well, they've decided it starts now. And now people will scrutinize it and say, eh, you know, if it doesn't work, he's not really sharp. Oh, they should have played. They're in the mix, Scott. They're in the playoff mix right now, so it's really intriguing. Because I mean, you got an extra team, the AFC. You got you know bungled up. I'm I don't think they're going to make it, but 
they are playing pretty well. So it, it's not a slam dunk, man. You know, this, this, this team competes. But I do think they feel like that he's ready. And, Scott, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm, I'm surmising that they feel like, look, we're, we're playing pretty well around the quarterback position. Fitz is doing a pretty good job. We think that two is ready that maybe it could spark us to where instead of just competing and kind of round five, maybe it might yeah. allow us to go to that next level and maybe even this year. So we'll see how it plays out. But excited for him, uh, excited for the Dolphins to see where this takes them. But, yeah, by week, you know, if you're going to make that move, you don't make it last week. You don't make it the week after the bite. You make it now or you've got the extra time to get the work in to get him ready for that uh, that first game. Well, let's head to our play of the week here in the NFL. And this one comes from uh, our second Monday night football game, Chris, between the Cowboys and the Cardinals. And this play in the second quarter kind of really uh, opened up the game for Arizona. And here's how it unfolded. Yeah, and take a look real quick as, as we go here. Watch, you see the motion in the top there, Kirk. But watch the guy in the slot and watch the guy at the bottom. And watch how they dictate. This is why we always talk about running your routes and dictating in coverage. So look at the release off here and look at the single high. You've got the safety, obviously having two guys helping out where you've got one-on-one. You've got one defender covering the flat. You got one-on-one here. So it's really a pretty easy route for Kirk. And he gets the credit. The throw's good. But look at the separation. It's a good throw, but it's an easy throw, and it's really simple to run that route. But you're going up against a single high look. Now, I'm in too deep. I I would prefer to be too deep in that situation, too deep coverage. But in single high, I mean, there is no way this can be defended any other way. And uh, obviously, it's a little bit, you know, but but, uh, uh, almost dropped it. What is Vander Esch seeing and what is he signaling here pre-snap? Once Kirk goes in motion, watch Vander Esch. You see him bark out those signals? Yeah. Is he trying to change the coverage on the outside? Well, he probably well, he's making some adjustment and it's probably a coverage to the motion guy. He sees the motion guy coming. What his responsibility up front is to make sure that you short area coverage with the back. So see, here's the thing about it is watch the 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 flat defender, if we run this again slowly in slow motion, that's a good way to see it. But you've got in here, you've got a defender, obviously, at the top, and this is the one that gets beat in a one-on-one because he's in man coverage. But watch it here. It's basically it's man-free. So as we see this go slow motion, as you see Kirk coming in motion, you see the defender back off a little bit, and you've got the inside defender here. He is lets this guy go in zone because he knows he's got help. You've got to cover the flat, but there is no back that comes out in the flat. So what you have is basically you'd ideally like for him to be a little bit deeper in that coverage. But there in that mind, that's where the 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 check was. Obviously, the miscommunication of they're thinking they've got a back coming out of the backfield. And that flat needs to be covered because, Scott, if you don't have – 
the the flat covered, then what do you have? You have nobody defending that, and that guy's running all the way. Whereas this here is you you just don't have really good coverage. You don't have enough guys in coverage here. You got single high, and you've got you've got three wides coming out here. You just don't have enough. So basically, you're in man coverage. You're in man coverage. You've got uh, safety help, but covering two guys where you you've got. You've got outside leverage here. There's no way you can win here on this route. Outside leverage with a with a player the caliber of Kirk. You just you just you're lost there. So mm-hmm. to me, the coverage, I think it was a coverage mistake because you know, if you're going to play a single high, then you can't be playing outside leverage. You got to be playing inside leverage to take away the inside route. And I think that's the problem there. But you've got you've got a guy covering the flat. And the guy, you know, guy that's covering the flat short, and you've got a guy singled up at the top, and you've got a, a, a single high safety that's got to help out on the two receiver side. Yeah. So you know, any way he goes, it's wrong. There's, there's, that's a coverage mistake. Did they not check to the right coverage? Was it called wrong in the huddle or from mm-hmm. the sideline? That's what you got to make a determination when you're when you're. When you're looking just, at this, just it's another, yeah, just another mishap from this Cowboys defense, which has been historically bad to start this season. And I'm no not, question. I don't, I don't say that lightly, Chris. Historically bad, this Cowboys defense has been to start this NFL season. Speaking of defense, as Kev, uh, who sends us a cheer, thanks a lot, Kev. Kev says, "What's the deal with Buffalo's defensive line? Two games in a row that yes. they have been annihilated." Yeah, and obviously the one of them was a scheduled game. It really, basically, both have been scheduled games issues, but they're not healthy. They're not coming off the ball. They're not setting edge in the run game. And boy, how about the Chiefs running the football right down them all game? So it is the play up on the defensive line. Uh, they need to get back healthy. Uh, they're not playing well. The strength of that defense is the back end. But the defensive line has got to play better, and it's not going to hold up. And you're seeing them kind of fade away from the elite teams in the AFC, at least in my mind right now. Maybe they can get back if they get healthy. But, you know, it's the Chiefs. It's the the Titans. It's the Ravens. It's the Steelers. I think it's it's those teams are a little bit different, look a little bit different on tape. And uh, Burns says, rewatch the New England-Denver game. Cam Newton struggled throughout, really inconsistent throwing the ball. New England has issues on offense. Are you seeing those issues? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, and look, I, look, I, I there's no excuses in this league. No practice, it looked it. And I realized ten, the Titans had no practice for a while, and they played yeah, very, very exactly. well. It, it, this, this looked like New England didn't practice. I mean, Newton was awful. Now, is that a byproduct of no practice and timing and rhythm? We'll see. Look, I don't think they're as good. And I I did I left New England out amongst the better teams mm-hmm. for a reason. They're not. I do think they're a good defense. They can run the football. And I think if they they get back into rhythm, I think Newton, they can run an offense that Newton can be effective. Mm-hmm. Good enough to make a deep run in the playoffs, in my opinion, no. no. But I think they can be better than what they've been. All right, well, let's get to our uh, week seven preview here in the NFL. Thursday night football from Philadelphia. We'll have the Giants taking on the Eagles. Congratulations, Giants fans. New York picked up their first win of the season thanks to Riverboat Ron going for two instead of taking his chances in overtime. And so the Giants, fresh off their first win, 
will take on the Philadelphia Eagles, who had a valiant comeback effort fall short against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, you know, um, boy, this any time I look at these NFC East teams, it's just like, wow, this is just really going to be a mess to, to get one of those teams in the playoffs, and none of them look anything close to it. Um, Philly did fight. I like the way they fought back and, you know, still like their chances at home here, but yeah, it is a good win for the giants to get back on track. I, 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 I'm not going to jump on the table for any one of these teams. I think it's just going to be who can play a cleaner game at this Mm -hmm. point. It's about, you know, protecting the football a little bit better than the other team. Every one of these games between any of these four teams, are winnable and are losable because none of them are good enough. It's just being good enough on that given day. Yeah. Maybe taking advantage of somebody else's mistakes. Uh, yeah. And the Eagles are banged up. Certainly miles Sanders not going to play uh, in, in that game or, or for next couple of weeks. Uh, the Lions at the Falcons, speaking of picking up first wins, congratulations to the Falcons who rallied after the coach and general manager got fired and the Lions now head to Atlanta to take on the one-win Falcons. Yeah, and, you know, look, at this Detroit team at times, you know, just flickers of some ability to make some plays. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see here if Atlanta could, could two in a row. They're, they're still a little bit more talented here, and uh, I think they should be able to win at home. And, uh, look, I, Raheem doesn't have a, a real shot to – to, to win this job. And in fact, even kind of, I think Arthur Blank made the comment, well, let him go 11 and or whatever they got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk, but um, you know, I'm curious to see if they can put two good games together. Detroit's having a hard time finishing. That's the issue. Uh, if uh, fans in Ohio are not hung over from watching Ohio state, they can enjoy the battle of their state between the Browns and the Bengals in Cincinnati, Chris. You think the Browns kind of bounce back. They got humbled last week, and they thought, you know, going into that game against Pittsburgh statement game, well, the statement was you're not on the Steelers level, and they just pummeled them. And maybe they can get some of that to the other, you know, the other division team, the hometown team. Um, so, you know, um, it, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um but I think that Cleveland, uh, you know, finishes the deal here. Best game of the week. It's the Steelers at the Titans. Something's got to give. Who comes out of here with their first loss, Chris? You know what? This is this is definitely the game of the week. Tennessee's at home. I like the way they're playing. I like the way Pittsburgh's playing. Um, you know, when I look at, I think that Tennessee's got definitely got an edge with their run game. They got a little bit more consistency there, but they're playing pretty good at quarterback. I like the Steelers' defense a little bit better. Maybe the Titans at home get it here. I think it's that close. I think these are two Super Bowl contenders here. So I think this is going to be um, a very, very interesting game. Yeah. Uh, how about this Chase Claypool, huh? Coming out oh, of he's I don't know where everyone knew uh, how good he is, but this guy is playing unbelievable football you, right now. You know, he's really uh, – he's an H-back, but he is uh, – the 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 – the comparison that's been made around the league in terms of the body build is very much Calvin Johnson like, and, um, really? you know, um, Kevin Colbert was in Detroit when they drafted Cal, um, Calvin. So he's really, uh, this guy's a really a mismatch guy. I mean, because he's just, he's very athletic. Um, and they've that nobody does uh, consistently over years and years. 
a better job with the receiving core and finding and developing guys as good as uh, as good as he has. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we move on to our next game, the Panthers at the Saints. Yeah, this is really interesting. This Panther team, how about them? They've played very, very well. Uh, they've been very well coached. Uh, Saints coming off a bye. You know, it's really about the Saints defense and what yeah. they're able to do there. And obviously, Michael Thomas and health and then, you know, um, you know, it's just been uh, been a, uh, a a difficult situation uh, with trying to get him in line. But, um, you know, I, I do like the Saints at home here. It's, it's a must win there. They can't let games like this get away mm-hmm. with the Bucks playing as well as they are. Uh, how about the Bills at the Jets? Uh, Adam Gase still around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens after they lose to the Bills on Sunday. Yeah, and I think it's going to happen. I don't know about Adam Gase not being around, but I think that the Bills are going to win. I think this is a get-right game for the Bills. Um, you know, you've you've we talked a little bit in, in answering a question about some of their defensive issues and uh, I think that that uh, we'll see a little bit more productivity relative to who they're playing, what offense they're playing this week. But they also got to get it going on offense too. I think that that that's where you know they were not able to kind of finish. And you know, as it relates to the better teams in the league, you know, are they in that top three or four? I don't think, but they they're they they still may be the best team in the East. And I think they take care of business here with the Jets. The Cowboys look to bounce back. Uh, Andy Dalton, second start at Washington. Yeah, boy, this is a, a ditto earlier. I, I just keep thinking that Dallas will figure this out and they'll win at least in the division. Um, you know, I, I had a feeling they would get blown out by the Cardinals, but um, this is a game they probably will win on the road here. But, man, it's it's – you know, first year, now you start to see the the rats running from the ship. Your, your players that are coming in saying mm-hmm. that they're they're poorly coached and whatnot. And this is part of the problem that you have in that organization. And I don't want to get on a tangent, but when you have an owner that is kind of the voice of the team, whatever you have there, there the accountability there's no accountability to the players because there's you basically usurp the power of the head coach with the owner being kind of the guy and I, I you'll wonder if there's some bigger issues here so wouldn't surprise me if the Redskins win at home but the Cowboys should win this they should win uh speaking of bounce back do the Packers bounce back against the Texans I think they do certainly Aaron Rodgers is going to bounce back going to be aggressive and uh, I think make some plays obviously the turnovers were costly in that game against Tampa um this Houston team doesn't have the type of defense that can hold on I think Green Bay gets it done here and the Cardinals fresh off their win against the Cowboys now host the Seattle Seahawks, arguably the class of that division. I think this is a really good game. You know, Arizona has been, you know, a little bit surprising in that I'm not, I see what they can do well, but there's some games that they don't really perform all that well. I think this is a big statement game for them. I think they will play well. I think there's a good chance they can upset the Seahawks here. I think they've got an explosive offense. They've got good balance in the run game. It's their defense that plays a little bit up and down. Um, I think they're a contender for a playoff team. I mean, with an extra team, you know, in, I, I think, you know, the Niners can get healthy. Scott, all four of those teams mm-hmm. look like a playoff in a where seven teams get in. I think the Cardinals may make a statement. I don't know if they win. I think 
I think they play this close. They've got a really good shot. Look out here for a possibility of an upset in the first loss for the Seahawks. I love it. Uh, how about the Chiefs at the Broncos? Yeah, I think the Chiefs kind of too much here. I think that, um, you know, Denver played well last week and probably as good a win as they've had. Um, you know, but I, I think Kansas City, you know, you, keeping them down, it's going to be very, very difficult. And I don't think Denver can score enough points there. The 49ers at the Patriots. You know, it's just all about getting some people back healthy with San Francisco. They're playing hard. They're playing through the injuries. Talk about New England. I think New England response plays better at home. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think San Francisco is a little bit better. But, you know, they've got enough injuries on the defensive line to where New England might be able to run the football and pull it out. I think this is a toss-up game personally. How about the Jaguars at the Chargers? Yeah, you know, the Chargers, I'm looking – for them to kind of take that next step and develop with consistency here. Um, you know, Jacksonville, boy, they've kind of really – their offense has been silenced here. This is the tough one for them to go on the road. Uh, I, I think that the, the way the Chargers have taken the step, speaking of making a move with a quarterback, I know the Chargers yeah. are a little bit more talented. I think they kind of feel good about where they are with their mm -hmm. quarterback and maybe that they're ready to make some strides. They should win this game here. How about the Bucks at the Raiders? That's a pretty good game. Yeah, it really is. And you know, the Raiders pulled the big upset off the over the uh, the Chiefs. Um, really emotional game for them. Big game for them. The Bucks are just playing really good defensively. Um, if and this is a big if because Leonard Fournette has not been healthy at any point in his career consistently. But, but Jones can, looks good, man. Yes, he's Jones running well, and well. yeah, he is. But they can get Leonard back. And and headed in the right direction, and mm -hmm. you know, with this defense and running game, this might be the team to beat in the NFC South. So, let's see where it goes. You got to win a game like this. The Saints went on the road to Vegas and just played a very sloppy defensive mm -hmm. performance and lost one week two, uh, I believe it was. And the Bucks, I don't think they let this game get away from them. And finally, we got the Bears at the Rams. And I'm gonna tell you something. This is this is a really a fun game. Bears, you know, I I kind of jokingly said, oh, boy, you know, the record, their defense is for real. Their defense is playing very well. Uh, they're managing things. You know, the Rams, tough performance last week. They, I thought they have found something and then stepped back last week. So, you know, big game for them to get back on track, meaning the Rams. Yeah. Um, I think it's a statement that they do that. But um, I think these are two teams that, that are headed towards the playoffs. So at, uh, anytime you get those type of matchups, it's a lot of fun. Uh, here's an interesting question from Spartan Barton. How does Trevor Lawrence <laughs> avoid going to the Jets? <laughs> yeah, I don't know he's going to do that. You know, Maybe he calls uh, an Eli Manning and, and, and tries to get traded. Uh, who knows? Well, yeah, you know, uh, there will certainly be some people that want to uh, make a trade. Um, like I think the Jets issues are culture related. I think they're going to need to make a change at coaching at the coaching position. They have but a lot more holes to fill than the quarterback. Quarterback's not the issue. They do. Arnold, you have to put people around Sam Darnold. Yeah, and look, I mean, if you if you go ahead and say, look, we just think Trevor Lawrence is that much better, that's fine. Then you may then you move Darnold. You'll have some takers for him, but you've got to build a winning culture. You got to because trust me. Trevor Lawrence is not going to do anything for the Jets if they don't build a right culture. Look, I thought the Jets had drafted pretty well and started to put together a pretty good defense. 
They've lost a lot of those guys. Their culture, their attitude, their direction, their energy level wasn't very good, and a lot of those guys want to leave. They've got to fix that. That's what matters. And all this tank stuff and this and that, you know who did it right is Miami. They mm-hmm. learned how to coach and play hard, and, and look at them now. They yeah. still got the guy that they were supposed to tank for, didn't. <laughs> but now they're 3-3. Three and three, They're playing well. That's what you have to do because you know what? All high draft picks for in getting a great player like Trevor Lawrence is going to be a place for him to suffer some of the same fate that Sam Darnold will. And I think Trevor Lawrence is better than Sam Darnold, but he won't perform any better or they won't win any games in New York if they don't do not do a better job of building a culture of winning there in an attitude. Um, they got a long way to go. You're right. They got a long way to go. And, and I, I don't know that he's going to be inclined to want to go back or, or avoid going to the Jets. But uh, that is something I've been asked about. Yeah, uh, and we'll see. I think the Jets do wind up with the number one overall pick. They should trade it because, they, like I said, they have a lot more holes to fill than uh, just getting a quarterback there. Well, Chris, LandryFootball.com has everything covered from the college and the NFL game. Uh, the film room previews and reviews are excellent reading. You'll learn so much about the game that you love watching if you just belong to LandryFootball.com, as well as roster analysis. Who graded out as the top players in the week of football that we just watched. Who graded out as the top NFL player this week, by the way? Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not done with all the tape yet, so uh, I'm going to have to hold off on that and and, and check the LandryFootball.com <laughs> tomorrow as I don't have enough yet, but there's some really good candidates. Uh, but there's some guys that played well. I will tell you that Derek Henry graded out very, very high. Yeah, I would <laughs> think so. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't want to just say, oh, he graded out the best when I haven't done all the – that haven't done all the homework yet and all the grade, but uh, no, yes, that's exactly what we do. We break down the game, the NFL game, the college game inside the film room, who graded out the best and take you team by team, game by game um, and, and, and give you the previews and reviews. So all the details, I know we couldn't get to all of your questions, but how Tua is going to look and, and uh, is a Bucks defense starting to match Bucks team. We kind of get into that, how it, kind of looks and unearths inside the film room to kind of give you a good feel for where things are headed. And it's always interesting to see because, you know, everybody has a view of a team or a player or, or whatever college or NFL based upon their last exposure to them. Mm-hmm. But then what happens, Scott, is you never stay the same. You either get better, or you get worse. So as you progress, uh, you don't get the same team. Uh, it's just a, it's, you know, it, it's, 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 a lot more to it. And it's about how you progress and say, okay, wait a minute, you know, this is where they are and this is where they're headed. But just because it looks like they're headed there, you still got to go out there and execute. And sometimes you teams do it. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, of course. It's all about what, what, what can they do on the field? And I like the fact that you take kind of recency bias out of it. And it's much more of an overall picture of the team as opposed to, Hey, you know, look, Cowboys look bad this week. Okay. Cowboys yeah. have looked bad on defense many weeks, but let's not rush to judgment on the Cowboys because maybe there are some things that you could take away from that performance by Andy Dalton and say, hey, maybe this week against Washington, they're going to come out and they're going to get it. Yeah, look, I mean, it kills you when you go out there, you turn the football over and you, be, you dig yourself a hole. The Cowboys have to be able to run the football. The offensive line has not performed well. They've had injuries. And Zeke has to stop fumbling, Chris. Yes, if if they don't run the football well and they don't protect the football and they're having to play from behind, no, it's going to – 
look as bad as it did Monday night relative to who they're playing. So you play an explosive offense, they'll embarrass you. If you, you, you plan the Redskins or the Giants or the Eagles, you probably stay in the game and you still have a chance to win it. It, it's, you know, but you're, the point is, is you're not even close to being good, but in order for them to get good is they've got to, they've got to lean and rely on the running game. And I think a lot of that was Zeke probably trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're not covering the five pressure points on the ball. And then it leads to mistakes. You've got to do what you have to do. Look, this defense is going to get exposed. You don't want them on the field as much as you have them. So yeah. the way you can help that offensively is by able to run the football. And that's, I think Andy Dalton can help you make plays with the weapons that they have, but you're not going to be someone. He's not someone that you're going to drop back, throw it 45, 50 times mm-hmm. in a game against mm-hmm. a good team without a running game and have success. Zeke should call Tiki Barber up. Remember Tiki had all those fumbling problems and then he started carrying the ball higher and his fumbles dropped down dramatically. The That's pressure, somebody, yeah, he should call the pressure point. I have a, I don't have a football uh, in here. This will be my football. Yeah. But for those that are watching, it's the football. Your pressure points: one, two, okay, uh-huh. and then you've got three, okay, mm-hmm. and you've got four there. And then obviously, what you want to be able to do when you when you get, you want to use your body as a shield. Yeah. Uh, that is the whole key in the ability to cover all the pressure points. And very often when you see fumbles, always great a fumble. If, if you don't have the pressure points covered, the ball's easily knocked out. If you got mm-hmm. the pressure points covered and you do what you do and the ball gets knocked out, that is maybe a physical issue where just somebody's that much stronger. Just like a, you can have great technique as a blocker. You give away 50, 60 pounds, somebody's stronger, mm-hmm. more explosive. You say, hey, look, we've got him in a position he can't succeed. But when you don't cover the pressure points of the football, you, you got real problems there. And and uh, that's that that you're you're running the risk of turning it over. And that's a killer. One final question. Did Mike Vrabel really take that 12 men on the field penalty on purpose? I don't know. I think I kind of, I kind of think he did, but I, I don't know that he can't say for certain. I, I kind of think he it did. Saved, it saved 40 seconds of game time. Yep. I think he did. But I, I, I understand that in hindsight, you can look at it and say it was a great play by Vrabel because it did save the 40 seconds of game clock. Cause he's assuming that and assuming correctly that, you know what? Houston's going to get the first down there anyway. Right. So then they're going to let the clock run down 40 more seconds before they run the next play. So he stops the clock there on purpose, but the next play Houston passed the ball and it was incomplete. If they run the ball there on first down, the clock winds 40 seconds. Yep. So did he really save the time on purpose or I don't know. I don't, is, I don't, that's he, why I'm not yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know. But that, uh, that, that was the popular thing on, uh, on social media was that Mike Vrabel was playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. No, there's no question. That's why I'm not really sure that he did it on purpose or not. My initial thought he was, but, uh, you laid it out. Well, it wasn't quite sure after that, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, and I, I will say this. I just did not like how Houston played that. I'm with you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working clock at that point. D- did you like Romeo going for two there, though, to go up nine? Um, no, I'm going up eight. Uh, I, I, I want to protect the eight-point lead. I, I feel like, you know, you want to protect yourself 
in my opinion, if you can go kick one, it's just such a low percentage mm-hmm. to complete it. So I want to be up eight because you, you've got to, you figure that you can, even if you, you got give the up cushion, the, you got the cushion, even if you give up the touchdown, you have the cushion. Well, you, of the you, you got play. virtually an automatic to go up eight mm-hmm. and, and it's a low percentage to go up nine, which is the very reason why if you go up eight, it's a low percentage that that two point conversion, even if they score a touchdown, well, it, it can't happen. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, no, I would not have done that. I did not agree with that personally. Well, well hey, the, the, the go for two, not go for two analytics discussion uh, will continue every week of the football season. I can promise you that. Uh, for Chris Landry, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Be sure to subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from so you can listen to this show and every other show that we offer on the Twitch channel, Chris Landry Football, wherever you want on your mobile device. And you can always re-watch the show by just going to Twitch whenever you want and just click on our videos, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, so you can re-watch the show. But if you just want to listen to the podcast form, it's Landry Football's conference call, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Landry Football. You can follow me at Scott on Air. And uh, I believe, Chris, if they, fans go to LandryFootball.com, there's a, a certain uh, discount that they can get on one of their legal betting sites, right? Absolutely. You want to make sure you take advantage of it, that uh, American betting. You can go and check it out. Pick the one that you want to take uh, advantage of. You get a discount. You get some free money in there. So take advantage of it today. Uh, check it. Uh, Scott is really into the 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 uh, the gambling side of it. He's really great. This is a way for you to to get involved. So take advantage of that uh, today. And we will talk to you next week right here, seven o'clock Eastern time. Twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Thank you so much for your comments, your questions. We'll be at it again next week, but don't worry. There's plenty of football programming available all the time on Twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football for the football film room for Chris. I'm Scott. Talk to you next week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.